0: Just called to continually sow the sow the seed of, of the gospel, the good news, re, re, regardless of what's going around, going on around us. So, good day again,
1: everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. We capture stories of faith outside of religion. Don't forget to follow along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. My guest today originally hails from Brantford, Ontario. He was a trainer in the American Hockey League for the St. John Flames for six seasons, and he is currently the trainer for the Peterborough Peets and has been there since 2002, seeing in total over 1,800 regular season games. Please welcome the B-man, Brian Miller. Hey, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. You're just coming back uh, from a road trip, you were telling me, in the green room.
0: Yeah, we just got back from a trip, uh, Northern Ontario road trip, four days, so it's good to be back home. Way up. How far up were you? Uh, we went up to North Bay, Sudbury, and Sault Ste. Marie. And so I was asking you, you, you were
1: on the bus with the team.
0: Yep, yep.
1: So over 1800 games and you still you're
0: still down with on the with being on the bus <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know I mean uh, it's just become a part of my life you know I've been a full-time hockey trainer for about 30 years now stepped right out of school right into uh, working with the Guelph Storm on the Ontario Hockey League for three years then went to the American Hockey League for six years and uh, yeah, and landed in Peterborough after that, and have been here, like you said, since two thousand two, so uh um it's just 20, part of it, twenty years now with the Pete, so yeah. yeah
1: just i know just if it were me i think the bus thing would wear after a while and i kind of want to be with the other coaches (laughs) in a winnebago or something else
0: you know at the junior level you know we're all on it together coaches players trainers yeah the
1: team's the team right that's right totally
0: so okay well brian
1: let's uh just sort of go back to the beginning you're born in brantford ontario so southern southwestern ontario for our out-of-country listeners um what what was it like for you as a kid? Did you grow up in the faith? Were your parents Christian or?
0: So I grew up. Uh, we lived actually halfway between Cambridge and Brantford, so a little bit uh, uh, back and forth between the two cities because we were out in the country. Uh, but a, lo- a lot of stuff kind of settled into Branford. Uh, we grew. I grew up going to Central Baptist Church in Brantford. That was uh, that was our home church, and um, yeah, so. I grew up here in the the gospel message and going to Sunday school and uh, attending you know youth group and and all that uh, you know type of thing along with you know playing hockey and and those type of things too. So. so, you played hockey as a kid too? Yeah, I never played at any high level. I Played in small town Saint George, Ontario, for anybody who knows where that is. And at the time, I think it was maybe a thousand people, kind of. Uh, in St. George and in in uh, close there around. So but uh yeah, uh, it was uh it was good for me. I really enjoyed and uh loved playing the game of hockey when I when I played and uh never thought at the time that uh you know down the road I would have a a a career in hockey, but uh that's where God directed me um you know through school and stuff. So yeah. So as you
1: as you grew up, did you can you tell us about how sort of your faith became your own and and like not the way you grew up in your parents? Like, did you, did you have a phase where you sort of drifted away or did you have a phase where you really started thinking about the depth of it or where did your faith become your
0: own? Um, so, you know, my family went to church. I'm the youngest of four kids. Um, you know, my sister, who's the oldest, you know, is nine years older than I am. So, you know, a bit of a span there between the four of us, but nothing nothing huge. Uh, we grew up, uh, you know, going to church. It was a pretty regular thing. And I think, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, that was a, a lot more of a normal thing for a lot of families than it is today. Um, my parents are Christians. I wouldn't say that they were, you know, overly active, uh, you know, in the church. And, you know, they definitely... Never, uh, they never really pushed uh, pushed us in our belief, but they took us to church and and let us figure it out for ourselves, basically. Um, and um, for me, I, it would be in my it would be in my teenage years. I I gave my life to Christ as a uh, as a young boy, probably around uh, the age of nine. Um, uh, I distinctly remember he- hearing the gospel message. Um, uh, one Sunday uh, in what was called junior church uh, um, at, at our church. So, you know, partway through the service, you know, kids of a certain age would, you know, move on to junior church, right? So, um, so I remember hearing uh, a message about heaven and hell, and there was an invitation afterwards to uh, ask Christ into your life. And I did not have the nerve to go up front. I mean, it wasn't that many kids probably, but I mean, I was not getting out and walking up to the front, you know. Um, but later that night, that Sunday night, I mean, we were taught to say our nighttime prayers, you know, kneel beside our bed and that night, um, that's basically was my whole prayer was to asking Christ to come into my heart and, uh, forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and savior. Um. And how how old were you then? I, I think I was nine or 10. I, I couldn't tell you the exact age. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, something just, you know, pretty quiet, pretty personal. Um, wouldn't say I, I don't remember telling anybody afterwards. Um, you know, it was something that I just did on my own and, and kept to myself pretty you know, quiet, reserved kid. Um, <clears throat> and then... um. um I got baptized and I'll tell you this. I I mean, I know, I know baptism is not something that saves a person. And I know we talk a lot about, you know, how it is very, um, uh, it's just an outward sign. It's just a proclamation to people. Right. But for me personally, I, I remember, you know, getting baptized at the front of the church and there there was something very special that I felt deep inside mm. in, in my soul. And the only way I can describe it to myself is there was a strong sense of goodness when I got baptized, um, which is obviously stuck with me, you know, all these years, cause I'm telling you now, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm now, you know, in my fifties. So, um, so that was, that was something you know, that was pretty personal, pretty, pretty important
1: to me. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that, too, 100%, yeah. with, the, with the importance of baptism and it being like a command of Christ, right? right? And when people heard the gospel and they believed, they were baptized. And it wasn't about, I mean, it can be, but it, w- it really isn't a declaration, I don't think. It's like, it's part of it. Yeah. And something, yeah, happens there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and um, like I said, I won't say everybody has that same, you know, that same experience, but that was that was my experience, right? Um, and then in my my teenage years, we had a we had a really good uh, youth pastor uh, at the time, at least really good for for me. Um, you know, like uh, I'd be, I've already said, I'm, you know, typically by nature pretty kind of quiet, you know, late laid back, whatever. So, um, it took some, uh, you know, prompting to kind of get me active in the youth group at all or whatever. And I remember we had a, um, uh, what was it called? Um, well, the organization that partnered with them was word of life ministries and they had a thing called teens involved and they had a number of categories, right? Um, give teens the opportunity to kind of see what their gifts were, right? So there's preaching, there was music, there was a quiz team. Um, um, I, f- I forget all the different categories and our, our youth pastor, he was, you know, musically inclined, could, you know, play the guitar and, and a few other things. And he saw, you know, some of the teens that, you know, weren't too involved and he wanted to try and get us all involved. Well, in the music category, there was a thing called novelty instrument. And, you know, you got to think back to the eighties. I mean, especially for a conservative church, like I went to, there was acceptable musical instruments, you know, during a church service and non acceptable ones. Right. (laughs) Okay. So this, this uh, novelty instrument category was for people who wanted to play instruments that you wouldn't normally see at the front of a church. Right. So guitars, guitars, um, I distinctly remember a guy had a, uh, had a bagpipe. Oh, wow. Um, and so our youth pastor being, you know, fun and, and able to connect with you, he decided to create a harmonica band. <laughs> so he took a, I don't know if there was 10 or 12 of us. Um, and actually my wife Esther, she was, um, she was part of it too. Uh, She was also in other things like quiz team and stuff like that. I was in nothing else. This was the only way to get me involved. And um, so, um, yeah, I I got talked into it. I I didn't really want to do it, but I got talked in and I joined this harmonica band. And so, like I said, there was like 10 or 12 of us and he taught us some songs and taught us how to play a harmonica. I I don't think I played it very well, but (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I kind of you know, fluff my way through, but anyhow. And that uh, was an accepted instrument or not? That, that was in the novelty instrument. So novelty, that, you know, so that would not, you know, at the time be accepted at the, you know, front of a church service, right? I mean, yeah, a lot of things have changed now, but, you know, back then for a very conservative church, you know, there was a very small list of, you know, acceptable instruments. and But they, you know, they thought outside the box for teenagers and said, Hey, well, you know, there's lots of, you know, Teenagers who wants to play, want to play other instruments, so we'll let them compete. And yeah. Anyhow, um, we, we did well. We won our regional or whatever it was and moved on to the next stage or whatever. I forget exactly how it all played out, but at the next stage, there was, I guess you could say, kind of like a bit of a youth conferencing with it. I remember distinctly there was a speaker, and I remember being, uh, that speaker really, some of the words he said really spoke to me and challenged and uh, we were challenged to just totally give your life to Christ, whatever, however. And, uh, and I took that challenge I accepted that challenge. And I said to God at the time, and I would have probably been about 16. I said, um, I said, Lord, I, I like playing sports. I don't play at any high level. I like playing a variety of sports. I said, if you want to use me in the world of sports, here I am. If you want to use me somewhere else, you got to show me, because really all I'm focused on is you know playing different sports. That's what I like. And I just said, you know, uh, I give my life to you, you know, to to use however. Um, and and I would say, you know, probably put my Christian faith kind of in you know kind of cruise mode through there, and you went on went on to went on to university and. I like, I went to Brock university, um, taking sports like, yeah. Well, yeah. So I went to Brock university, um, taking phys ed, right? Yeah. So, um, not knowing really where I would go with a phys ed degree, but just love the sports, just kind of love the sports in general type thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, and that's gotta be a big,
1: that, that's gotta be a big deal. You go from a small farming community to a big university, yeah, and Campus I'm sure my dad that.
0: was kind of thinking, you know, where is he going with this, <laughs> right? You know, because dad wasn't, you know, dad encouraged us to watch us playing hockey, but dad wasn't a sports-playing guy. He he grew up a farmer that's you know, was basically, uh, we had a hobby farm, so, you know, dad wor- had a full-time job and then did all the hobby farming on the side, but he had two brothers that were full-time Holstein farmers, and, you know, he just, uh, you know, his background was a lot of, you know, farming. Right. So, mm. um, but, um, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, Esther and I were dating at the time and, you know, we found a home church there in, in St. Catharines, and. Was she going to the
1: same university? Yeah.
0: We ended up, we ended up going, we were started dating in grade 13 and then, uh, ended up, uh, both landing, uh, getting accepted and both going to Brock university and, um, and, um, uh, you know, dating through that time and, you know, church was Im- important to us. Uh, so, you know, we sought out and found a, found a home church. And so when we didn't go home on weekends, we had a church there in, in St. Catherine's that we went to and stuff like that. And um, so, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, um, kind of the, you know, the young years and you yeah. know, kind of the challenge from, from God. And then it was, so you were going. You were going. You
1: found a church and you were plugged in and stuff. But you had yep. said that you were kind of in like cruise control with your faith. So what do you mean? Like you were just more focused on sports than anything else. Is that what you mean? Like
0: yeah, I would say. But you, know, you
1: were still going. And- I was
0: still going, and I mean, um, uh, I, I was. I would say I was minimally growing. Probably got growing more once I got out of out of my house and. Uh, had to, you know, got off the university and had to start making some of the own decisions, right? Like we started attending the the uh, Brock Christian Fellowship. You know, we found our own church, right? Those are things you do um, because you want to, not because your parents are telling you to, right? Yeah. Um, and so that those things would have sparked, you know, uh, growth and, and encouraged growth, right? Being around, you know, being in a new church, right? You know, getting outside that home church that you grew in, um, I think for us was really good because we got to meet new Christians and you know sometimes you can kind of get those blinders on going you know my church is the only church and every other church ah, I'm not too sure about right but you get out there and you meet other Christians you meet you know new Christians um, and and there was some I would say there were some key people at that church um, older people you know in their 60s and stuff like that that really kind of took us under their wing very friendly to us and uh, and and encouraged us, and you know, checked in, and really, you know, really loved and you know, cared cared for us, right? And uh, there was a couple of years. I have an aunt who lives in Saint Catharines, and so a couple of years I lived on my own. A couple of years, uh, you know, I rented a room at, in her place, and um, uh, you know, there was times. My aunt was a church going person, um. I couldn't tell you exactly where her faith level is, but, you know, I went to a different church than she did. She went to a United Church, and I wanted something more, you know, uh, with more depth than that. Um, but, you know, and and out of total care and love, she'd say, why don't you, you know, you, you finally got a day off. You can sleep in. You know, why don't you just sleep in? And I'm like, I am like, I hear you, and I appreciate your love, but I want to go to church. And there was something about our church that we just really enjoyed you know going seeing the people, hearing the message you know um, it's you know it, it was what it, what we needed right that that had that we, i I had that inner desire to attend yeah right um
1: and that's so that's so key right it's not supposed to be obligatory, you're supposed to want to go right because if you don't want to go you're you, you'll end up stopping. Right.
0: So that's, that's really important. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And and so, you know, um, I I, I, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good in phys ed, you know, I I don't have high marks and almost everybody who does phys ed, you know, goes on to teacher's college. Right. And I did not have that average. I was not a strong academic student, you know, I getting those strong marks and I knew, um, I knew I wasn't going to get that average to get into teacher's college anywhere. And so I didn't really know where I was going. I wouldn't say I was worried and stressed about it. I just didn't really know. And then um, I saw this sign up at at Brock University. It said uh, uh, um, student trainers wanted for different sports teams. Well, hockey was one of those sports teams. I'm like, I really like hockey. You know, um, you know, I've watched a little bit of the, the Brock men's hockey team and stuff like that. It's like, well, you know, phys ed, well, I'm going to go, you know, to the sports injury clinic and ask about this and, and find some stuff out. And so I went in there and talked to them and, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's all volunteer and stuff like that. Um, I thought, you know, I'm going to get going to give this going to give this a try. So they, you know, they brought me in, started training me. You know on the sports injury management and the and the care and the first aid and all that type of stuff and um they they first put me with the men's rugby team working with uh someone who'd been a student trainer for a number of years and the, and that was an eye opener because you know I knew nothing about the game of rugby really at all and it's pretty uh pretty intense and and hard hitting and um um but I, there was something about that that I liked. There was something about, um, and the best way I can describe it now. And I wouldn't have described it then, but I described it that way. Now there's something about serving and caring for other people. And that's what, you know, the role of an athletic therapist, the role of, uh, you know, a trainer is, is you really get to just focus on taking care of and serving other people. Um, and it just clicked with me and I really liked it. um, so they ended up putting, you know, putting me with the uh, with the men's hockey team there, Brock. And, um, yeah, um, just, you know, enjoyed it. You know, my focus was mostly on the medical side of things, but they had a an older gentleman, retired guy, who did the equipment side, and I always hung out with him and, you know, learned a little bit on the equipment side and stuff. And, um, yeah, just an, enjoyed that year so much so much and i mean it w- and started to learn the busyness of hockey then right um that uh you know you got to travel you know you're hopping on the bus you're going to Trois riviere and um you know um all around uh, busing even you know then some long you know weekend trips and stuff like that but there was just something about the job the environment and like i said there was just something about you know helping people that really clicked with me and so then um, when i was uh, graduating from there um i talked to the uh, the head athletic therapist or, uh, at Brock and went okay what can i what can i do to further like where can i go cuz i like to you know get into this field and so he directed me to Sheridan college and um, went to Sheridan College, took their sports injury management program. Um,
1: Is that more of a like a first aid based type thing or no, not first so, aid, but more?
0: So that's more learning. That's definitely learning more, um, more the the science uh, of the body when, at Brock University. The uh, the phys ed program at the time uh, was much more educational, not much on the science side. Okay. So I had to learn the science, more the science side of things, learning the anatomy, learning how to use modalities for treatment, um, which I'd all got a little bit of volunteering in this sports injury clinic. But this was your more in your depth. Point. Basically, what it is is it's it's a if you take physiotherapy. And then just take physiotherapy and go, we're only going to focus on athletes. Physiotherapists focus on every type of injury, right? Rehabbing someone from a gunshot wound, you know. To a fall, to whatever. To a fall, to, you know, um, motor vehicle accidents, everything, right? Whereas athletic therapy was, we're just going to focus on athletic injuries. We're just going to, you know, for the most part, you're just going to focus on how to assess, treat, and rehab injuries that are most common uh, in sports. Okay. So, so that was, you know, so it's much more narrowed, much more focused, um, than doing the whole broad, uh, realm of, of physiotherapy.
1: So you did that and you, you began your career with the
0: Guelph storm. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So yeah. how did you find that? And was that right out of school or how, how did that work? It, it was right out of, right out of school, um, in, in 1993 and, and the way, you know, um, uh, you know, it's, 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 cool to look back and see how God was working things and, and, and planning things, you know, for these things to happen in your life. Right. And so, um, working with the men's hockey team at Brock, uh, their coach, Mike Polino was also involved in a hockey camp, uh, quite a large summer hockey camp program, uh, at the, at the university of Guelph. And he asked, he asked me, I didn't even know about it. He's like, Hey, you want to be uh, the trainer for, for the summer at, at my hockey camp. And, um, I'm like, sure. You know, so it was, I think six, six weeks, um, you know, just one camp right after the other, you know, um, and, you know, being the, the, the medical guy for, you know, a couple hundred kids every day. Right. Um, but it was through there, you know, he's got instructors coming in and out and, um, it was through, working there that I met the GM of the Guelph Storm um and um uh, the timing uh you know God's planning was he was looking to hire a full time trainer the same year I was graduating. And you know
1: well, how convenient is that?
0: Well <laughs> convenient you know convenient for me, but uh yeah. you know, you know obviously God had uh had things, you know, all working out all all, all planned out, right? And um, and this so, is the
1: o, this is the OHL. This cool is up, the OHL, yeah. So for those listening at a country, the OHL is the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, we'll talk about some other things in the show here with Brian, but that's uh, a junior level team that feeds into the NHL. And so we've talked about it before. We've had Mike Fisher on the show who played in the OHL as well, and and uh, Bruce Mackey talked about it. He was. Uh, my friend Bruce Mackey was um, or still currently is actually a chaplain for the Belleville Senators. Right. So we've talked about this stuff a lot. So uh, you did three years w- with uh, the Guelph Storm. How did that transition into the AHL, which is the American Hockey League? And I personally don't know the difference in that American Hockey League in Canada, but can you just sort of like really briefly explain that and then how you transitioned from Guelph to St. John?
0: Yeah, so... um um, you yeah, know, I'm with the, with the Guelph Storm. Um, and like you said, junior hockey, junior hockey is a development league for, well, isn't the only one, but is a very major Canadian development league um, for the NHL. That's, you know, where a large number of kids get drafted from. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know my my time there and I'll just divert a little bit from your question there so a key thing in my faith at that time um was I met a gentleman by the name of Dean Prentice and Dean Prentice was uh working with hockey ministries international and Dean Prentice uh came in to do a presentation to the team um I didn't really know well, I didn't know anything about hockey ministries. In, 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 I'm a Christian. I'm in the hockey world. I'd never heard of hockey ministries in international. And I actually felt at times I'm like, am I the only Christian in the whole hockey world? Like, I just kind of really felt alone, you know, uh, that way. Um, and then, you know, one day, you know, our GM introduces Dean Prentice to the team, says he's got a little, you know, blurb to talk to guys from. And so he talked to the whole team for a little bit. And then he says, I got these VHS tapes. I got these videos called beyond belief. And it was a videotape that HM that hockey ministries had done up. Um, and it was a witnessing tool. Um, beyond belief, um, is the title of a Petra song. Uh, and they'd use this song as part of the video and, you know, kind of a, a hockey hype video, but using testimonies of hockey players in, um, and I didn't even get a video. Like I was, you know, I'm sitting in the back going, "I gotta get one of these." Like, um and um uh the players snatched them all off, which is great because that's who they, that was who it was for. But I'm sitting there going, "Gee, how do I get one of these?" And and, and I'm like, uh and I'm trying to remember Dean Prentice's name at the time, and I I knew that it, you know as part of the introduction said that he lived in Cambridge, um. So I didn't actually do anything kind of about it for the rest of the season. I don't remember where in the season that happened, but it was actually after the season was over, I'm like, I'm going to grab the phone book and see if I can find Dean Prentice. So Dean Prentice is, is he played 22 years in the NHL. Like, do you think I could find his name in the phone book? <laughs> I did. I found his name, you know, opened up the big phone book, you know, looked in, in, in Cambridge, you know, and and found his phone number and cold called him and said, Hey, you know, you dropped video videos off the Gulf storm, you know, on the trainer with the Gulf storm. And um, he and his wife, June, I mean, they took Esther and I under their wing and that was huge um, for both of us. Um, You know, because I'm in the hockey world that means my wife is in the hockey world. Cause I mean, um, there's just so much, uh, so much time and spent as a trainer yeah. during that hockey season. Um, and when you're in a hockey town that, you know, has a, has a team like that, you just get drawn in. So, you know, my life was hockey. My wife, you know, um, became part of it too. And Dean and June, you know, a, a couple in their, their sixties at the time, they just, they just took us under their wing and, um, you know, really, um, mentored us in a lot of ways, you know, as individuals, but then also as a Christian couple and, you know, how to, how to, you know, be witnesses in the, uh, in the hockey world. Um, so, um, yeah, so I spent three years with the, with the Guelph storm, uh, as their trainer and, um, I had a desire to move up to, you know, uh, up to the pro hockey level. I mean, that's a, a lot of people's desires, right. Is to, uh, is to climb the ranks. Right. So, but I wasn't, I wasn't deep into the, into hockey. I don't really know how to do that very well. Right. And I wasn't super connected and, you know, I'll say, you know, I was a simple farm boy from, you know, um, you know, from rural Brantford or rural Cambridge, Ontario. Right. But I had somebody tell me, um, they're like hey you know um the the Calgary Flames are are hiring uh for uh for an athletic therapist with their farm team in the American Hockey League um and I'm like oh really well gee I w- I wonder how I you know how I go about applying for this and so I went to my boss I went to my GM and I said hey I I uh I, I've heard about this you know um and he's like well do up a resume and I'll you know, he showed me, he helped me how to how to apply for it. Um, and what I didn't know at the time was the Calgary Flames were actually talking to him about coming on as a scout. So he already had a relationship active and ongoing with the Calgary Flames. And what I didn't know either was, um, you know, when I when I applied, um, uh, I guess they said to, they said to him because he'd been a GM and involved in the league for for a number of years they said to him they said well who do you think are the top trainers in the in the Ontario Hockey League and he told them that I will in his opinion I was one of the top three in his opinion I didn't know my GM thought that much of me oh that's great um and um so uh anyhow um got you know got interviewed and um got hired August 15th. Now in the hockey world, August 15th is, is pretty late in the season. Cause for us, we were at the Guelph storm. We were two weeks away from training camp opening up. Um, and, um, and basically, you know, so when they hired me August 15th, you know, my, I'm already in, in go mode, getting things ready for training camp. And they're like, yeah, we need you down here in two weeks. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I mean, fortunately we were renting. We didn't have to, you know, sell a house or anything at the time. But, you know, we still had to give, you know, notice. Um, Esther and I, um, our first, our firstborn, uh, you know, had our firstborn son. So Josh was less than a year old, um, coming up to turning a year old. Um, And so, you know, it was kind of a a quick whirlwind, you know, uh, spin and, and and turn about but um yeah kind of you know moving up in the ranks you know yes you've got to have a good good resume but it's also the hockey world as big as it is is very small at the time and it is very often it's about uh you can say who you know or more so who knows you yeah right um to to help you when you when you apply and 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 give reference for you so that
1: was a big move. It's interesting, too, that the farm teams are so far away from the actual team. Just out of my own personal curiosity, why why is that? Or yeah. is there any reason for it?
0: Well, I don't I don't know if there's real been reasons. I, I think it's more, it, it's a lot different now than it was before um, as far as locations. You know, I, I, th- I think you've definitely seen a certain amount of shifting to bring the farm teams closer uh, to the home teams. Um, but to, to a certain degree, it was about, um, where could you find a community that's large enough to support
1: uh, the farm team, the
0: farm team in attendance. But I mean, some of the, and it was structured differently back then, uh, in a number of different ways. Sometimes the NHL team owned the franchise and sometimes local owners own the franchise. Um, and so, um, you know, much more complicated than I ever really you know dove into, but there was a, there was a phase of a certain number of years where there was a shift of a number of, especially Canadian um, based NHL teams put their farm teams out East. So, uh, you know, Moncton had a team, Fredericton had a team, St. John had a team, uh, Halifax had a team. Like there was uh, St. John's Newfoundland as uh, the baby Leafs there. Um,
1: and so, f- so if you're so, listening...
0: So, th- so there's a little pocket.
1: Yeah, and just for people that are listening out of country, we're talking halfway across the country to the Calgary Flames. This is a different time zone, and, like, it's a significant distance. You're not driving.
0: Yeah, so, um, So yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's a little pocket there for a while, and then they slowly kind of went again for whatever reasons you know whether you know what you know the finances didn't make sense or or whatever but teams started leaving you know kind of gradually one after the other and you know now there's you know no American Hockey League teams out there at all but you know for for I don't know quite a few years there in the in the 90s you know there was there was several uh other Canadian teams kind of grouped up their their uh their franchises out there i i I would have to think part of it is about you know trying to keep a certain amount of your expenses in canadian dollars versus in american dollars right for the canadian franchises
1: right and so you did you did six seasons six seasons out there so what uh what's the transition what's the transition to the Pete's from there
0: um, so, uh, the transition, you know, uh, in my fifth year, we, we won the Calder Cup championship was a, which was a tremendous, great experience. You know, um, uh, I had been close in Guelph, you know, to winning a championship, uh, um, you know, funny little note here, but in my final year with the Guelph storm, we actually lost to the Peterborough Pete's in game seven overtime in the Ontario championships, but, Peterborough was hosting the Memorial cup. So that means two Ontario teams go because they're the host and they won their one seed. So we were second. So we're, uh, we were the other team to go. So my last, you know, my, my last experience in the OHL was losing to the Peterborough Pete's in did, game seven overtime. Did you hate them? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just a little, a little bit. bit. But, you know, <laughs> um,
0: um, so I got, you know, got close and got a taste. My second year in the American Hockey League, we went to the College Cup Championship, lost in, in game six. Um, so actually winning it in my fifth year was really cool. It was a really neat experience you know, just, uh, you know, how the team embraced it. Um, uh, and, um, it was, you know, a neat thing. Um, and, and it was, I don't know, somewhere in that, I think it was maybe at the start of my fifth year. Anyhow, there, there was a change somewhere in there. There was a change in management up in Calgary, new GM, new assistant GM. Right. So, uh, the people who had hired me, they were gone. Right. And, uh, so, um, and, and there's constant, uh, coach turnover and change and stuff. Anyhow, um, uh, with the new management and new coaches or whatever, at some point they, they decided that, uh, they wanted to make a change in my position and, and didn't renew my contract. Um, and, um, so, um, it was actually Dave Fisher, uh, who was the chaplain with the Peterborough Pizza at the time. We were at a hockey ministries conference together. Um, and he, he had mentioned, he goes, um, well, just so you know, the Peterborough Pete's are looking to hire a trainer. And I was, there was a couple of reluctances to me. One was we really enjoyed living out East, uh, Esther and I, um, uh, the, uh, we had, Uh, three more kids born when we were out there. So we had four kids now and three were born out there. We really had some good friendships. You know, we liked kind of that there's a definite difference in East coast life versus Ontario life. Oh yeah. Um, And so our plans were to, you know, well, let's see if I can change occupations and, and, and stay here. The other hesitation I had was, okay, I'd done junior hockey you know, for three years now I've done six years of pro. Can I go back to junior hockey? Like, do I really want to go back? Like it's, you know, kind of a step backwards type thing, you know, especially if you're thinking, you know, career wise and moving up is kind of like, but basically any other jobs in the American hockey league, um, were, I would have to move to the States. I would have to look. And we really didn't have that, that desire to move to the States as, as a family either. um, so anyhow, long story short, I ended up applying uh, to the Peterborough Peets. Uh, just kind of, you know, I guess kind of threw it out, threw it out there, and went. You got, it. I don't know what plans you have for us. You know, um, I was also pursuing a job opportunity in in Saint John that I thought was going to go somewhere. It was a pharmaceutical rep job, and I thought it was, you know, it was going to be a you know good way to stay out there, and you know kind of stay in the medical side of things, but transition over. And, uh, anyhow, um, that just kept being delayed and being delayed and, you know, kind of stalling and not going anywhere. But, um, after I applied to the Bureau Roll Pete's, you know, obviously God's hand was in that and, uh, and that move, that moved forward, you know, pretty rapidly, pretty quickly. And, you know, uh, got to the point where Jeff Tui, the GM at the time said, Hey, listen, you know what, um, I'm, I'm going to offer you the job. You think about it. You get back to me because uh, I, I was I was full honest with him. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to make up my mind whether coming back to junior hockey is is you know is the move I want to make. And you know, he's like, well, I'm going to offer you the position. And I don't know what the amount of time was a few days or a week or something like that. He, you know, he's talk about it with your wife and you know get back to me because it involved a, a move. And you know, Jeff was a you know a pretty good you know, pretty strong family guy and, you know, wanted to make sure the our whole family was, you know, in, you know, to, uh, to make that move. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, our youngest Noah, he was, um, he was, he yeah, he would have just been a year old and our oldest Josh was seven or whatever. And, and, uh, Yeah. So I I actually, you know, again, another kind of late hire, you know, later in the summer. So I had to, I had to get to Peterborough ahead of time and kind of leave the packing up of the house to Esther and some really good friends back in St. John. And uh, so it was, you know, it was messy, but, you know, we got through it and obviously we've seen God's hand in it because we landed here and uh, have made this, uh, you know, made Peterborough home and uh, here we are still today. So
1: Yeah, still plugging away. So that's a lot of years. A lot of years you've been with this team. So a lot of kids that you've seen through. And when you came here, David Fisher was the chaplain?
0: That's correct, yeah.
1: So there's an official chaplain role there available for people if they want to talk to somebody. But, I mean, over the years, so many kids you would have seen come through there. Have you had, and I know, like, you're not the chaplain, you have a role to do and stuff like that. But still, as a Christian, has there been, has there been any stories that you could share that, that somebody's really touched your heart or has anybody come to you and just knowing that you were a Christian and asked you stuff or just words of wisdom you've given to some of these kids that you might've seen struggling? I imagine it's a, quite a thing for some of these kids come from far away. They're young. They're, they're not at home now. They're with a billeted family, like it's yeah. a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty. It is. It's a pretty big deal. It's a. It's a pretty big move for you know some kids. Um, you know, a bigger deal for some than others. So, you know, some kids make the transition quite you know uh, easily. Others, you know, it's it's more of a struggle. It's more you know stressful. Um, yeah. i I mean, um, a lot of those conversations uh would mostly kind of tr- naturally go more to uh the team chaplain at, you know uh throughout throughout the years um i've had little snippets of stuff you know um you know I, i've had a player come and cry on my shoulder cuz his girlfriend was uh going through testing for possibly having cancer you know emotional stuff like that um but f- you know uh, a a lot for me um it, it it's, it's little bits, but for me, what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to, I guess, sh- show the kids live uh, that I live different than what they necessarily see every day. A lot of these kids, and especially a lot more now than ever before. I mean, um, you know, as you and I were talking before uh, years ago, it was a lot more natural for people to have kind of a an arm's length connection with a church you know yes i'm roman catholic oh i you know my parents are protestant or you know presbyterian or whatever regardless how active you are there was a lot more people having connection with a church or or a belief a lot more people were accepting or would say yeah i believe in god right uh there seems to be a lot a lot less of that um uh, you know, as the years have gone by, like, you know, if you talk to our, our current chaplains, you know, Davy Jones or Tim Coles, and, um, uh, they would say like, if we're sharing a Bible story, it's probably the first time they've heard it. Um, because a lot of guys are have very little uh, knowledge or familiarity with, with the Bible, which back when, um, Dave Fisher was a chaplain. Was not necessarily this, you know, that same thing. A lot guy. Oh yeah, I kind of remember that, sir. I know that name, right? And that's diminished. That's diminished over the years. So for me, I mean, my focus is, you know, to try and live differently in front of these guys. Uh, The the way I react, the way I behave, things I do or or don't do. Uh, You know, being open about, you know, when we have a Sunday off, that I go to church. Yeah, You know, one of the, you know, we, we've had, you know, we've had a few Christians, you know, through, throughout the year. David Shantz was, was a Christian when he was with us, had the, you know, few little, you know, conversations here and there, you know, and, you know, encouraging them, you know, have invited guys out to church, you know, over the years um the Stahl brothers you know two of the four played in peterborough jordan um and eric stall eric's the oldest um and um more so I, I think i think eric actually you know the occasionally uh, cuz they were f- from thunder bay so you know a long way to go home on a day off right um and sometimes uh, the schedule's quite uh, quite tiring um you know when sunday's your only day off you know for a teenage boy you know (laughs) an athletic you know you you're playing away game you're getting back at one in the morning or whatever they're looking to sleep sleep in not you know get up and go to church at 10 o'clock but i distinctly remember uh jordan more so and eric but i had more time with jordan than eric where um you know jordan would uh would come to Auburn Bible chapel, but, uh, you know what he, he, it was interesting, you know, I mean, here he is, he's got a brother in the NHL. He's pretty big with the Pete's and he would just kind of, he would just kind of slip in quietly. Um, you know, just kind of as the service is starting sit in the back row, you know, kind of keep quiet to himself. And then, um, he may talk to, you know, talk to myself or, or Dave Fisher or a couple other people, but then he would just kind of quietly, you know, slip out again, you know, no big, you know, Hey, look at me. I'm, you know, I'm here, you know, I'm a local star. And I'm very, you know, very kind of, uh, you know, quiet and stuff like that. So there's been little things like that, you know, let you know, just openly inviting and, and letting guys, you know, know about the church I go to and, and stuff like that. So,
1: Maybe I sat beside him because before I came to faith, I did the same thing, slid in, <laughs> sat at the back, didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> I might have sat beside him. I could leave. Um, you know what, man? Little bits are really important, right? It's, yeah. it's a lot of times we focus on the, you know, the big things or the one that, you know, shared the gospel or whatever, but it, it's little bits, little seeds, you know, lead people to more questions, living, living your faith out in front of people lead to questions that then maybe they go to the chaplain or maybe they come to you. So that's little, little bits are really big and really important.
0: And when, when we were down in St. John, it, it, it was really, it it was really neat timing because just a few months before we moved down to St. John, there was a gentleman by the name of Bruce Smith who was full-time with hockey ministries and what was happening at hockey ministries was they had, uh, they had come to conclusion conclusion that they needed somebody focused on trying to start chapels in the American hockey league. And so Bruce and his family moved from Montreal down to St. John just a couple months before Esther and I did. And his purpose was, you know, to move into um, an American hockey league city and start working with that team, but then start you know, working with all the teams and trying to establish uh, a chapel program in the American Hockey League, which was non-existent at the time. Um, so, you know, Bruce moves down and then a couple of months later, I moved down. Well, Dean and June Prentice, you know, let Bruce know that, you know, hey, we've got this young Christian couple that's coming, you know, down there and right to your town, St. John, where you've just moved uh, who's going to be a trainer in the American Hockey League? Um, and Bruce is like, well, "This is cool because I'm trying to establish chapels in the American Hockey League. Now I've got, you know, a Christian connection. I don't know him yet, but, um, but you know, we were able to, you know, connect and and, and brainstorm, you know, um, over the years uh, to help him establish uh, a, an. Amer- a, an American hockey league chapel program that was accepted league wide for the American hockey league. It took years to do, but um, you know, that was, you know, uh, that was a big thing. And and so Bruce is definitely a big mentor and and very influential in my life and where I was going with this with what you just said is one of the things I distinctly, you know learned from Bruce when I was down there is he goes, you got to remember that we are just called to sow seeds. We do not make the seeds grow. We do not harvest the seeds. God's in control of that. But what we've been asked to do is sow the seeds of the gospel wherever we go, and however you can do that, um, you know, whether it's by word, by action, by both. But we're just called to continually sow the sow the seed of, of the gospel, the good news, re, re, regardless of what's going around, going on around us. So,
1: Amen. Some wise words right there, Bruce,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: um brian we're um we're we're coming close to the end, so I really thank you for coming, but I just wanted to ask you in the green room you were telling me, and I saw it online too about the invention that you made, okay, and let's have a little plug because it's <laughs> actually really kind of neat, and for somebody with your experience over the years, um it's it's just a fantastic. It's just a fantastic invention. So, you should tell us about your the skates there a little bit.
0: So, I've got an invention called Option B skate straps. So, it's basically Velcro straps to replace skate laces. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to put time or effort into, you know, skate, you know, inventing a new skate. It was just like skate laces. It's always been skate laces, and tying skates um, is the toughest part of ice skating, right? Uh, Little kids struggle to do it on their own. So parents are doing it all the time for them. Um, And um, so I thought, well, hey, listen, you know, there's already Velcro straps on shoes. Why can't we come up with a system to put Velcro straps onto onto skates? And so the system I came up with, uh, I took the prototype to Nash Sports, which is in Buckhorn. Um, They're a, a hockey manufacturing company. Um, and I said, Hey, this is my prototype. What do you think? Uh, Can you make it look pretty? And so we worked together. And so the design of it is you just take your skate laces out of your skates. They bolt into the eyelets. Hmm. Um, typically it's three straps. Some people feel that they want to buy a fourth strap for each skate, and that's fine. That that can happen too, but it's just a a three strap system, um, that replaces skate laces and make doing up your skates so much easier. I mean, um, I know, you know, there's a lot of tradition in, in hockey and, you know, tying your skate laces, you know, lacing it up, right. is very traditional. A lot of people kind of resist it for that. And, uh, a lot of times in the shoe world, you know, it's the cheap, low end shoes that have Velcro straps, not the, uh, you know, not the expensive good shoes. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they're uh, definitely got a, you know, uh, a decent, you know, population of people who have embraced it. Um, Where do you find them? Uh, well, I've got, I, you can buy them directly from Nash Sports uh, and you can find that information on my website, chooseoptionb.com. Um, YouTube, there's, there's videos to uh, show. Again, search uh, Option B skate straps on YouTube and you'll see we've got a number of videos. I've got a video of how to install them how quick they are to uh, to put on, to take off. Um, I did very early on. Uh, I, I took it to the Dragon's Den. Uh, there oh. was an audition here in Peterborough. I went to the one in Peterborough, got asked to actually go into Toronto and, and present it to the Dragons. Uh, I never made one of the airings, um, and obviously they didn't put any money in because I'm not sitting here rich and famous. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I w- again, it was very, very early on in, in the in the straps, and um, yeah, I, I mean, we've got some some regulars, you know, st- steady sales. I've you know, I, I've got messages from people uh, around the world. You know, I, I had a gentleman a few years ago who bought a hundred to take to Russia. Wow, you know, s- stuff like that. But um, yeah, it just really simplifies um, uh, doing up your skates, and uh, and honestly. Um, I've got some people that, you know, they like their laces for hockey, but it's an absolute no brainer for outdoor skating. Because one of the big things with outdoor skating is, you know, it's Cold. You know, they're there 20 and you're trying to tie your laces or you're trying to tie your kids' laces for them and you're warming your fingers and your armpits in between. <laughs> um, and then if the kid's out there for a long time, you know, those knots get wet and then they freeze. And then you're trying to undo a frozen knot, and you know the the strap system is is an absolute no brainer, um, you know, especially for people that have home rinks or little rinks close by where the kids can just grab their skates and just go and put them on themselves, uh, versus you know having you know having a parent tie their skates and then wear skate guards as they you know try and safely go across the road and through a snow bank and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, with the velcro straps, it's just simple. Uh, it really simplifies things. So
1: that's awesome. Well, good luck with that business venture. Thanks. In addition to it, man. Thanks for coming in today and, and sharing your stories. Uh, it's really interesting how God placed people along your journey to disciple and just mentor you and be with you. It's really awesome. Um, I just have one final question for you, man. Sure. Um, if if you had, uh, you know, coming down in the future, if you you had a kid join you know, join the Pete's or, or a young kid join the Pete's who, who came to you and had questions about his faith because he grew up in it, but it hadn't been real to him, you know, and you know how you talked about how, when you got out onto your own, how it was something that you actually wanted to do. Yeah, What would you say to explain the realism of who Jesus is to this person who say grew up religious, but really there's more to it. What would you say to them?
0: Yeah, I, I, I would have to talk you know, and, 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 you know, hear their story, see where they're at. Um, But, you know, I I think what you, what you're trying to say is, you know, get that sense of um, as has the relationship or has their beliefs in God become a relationship yet? Because I think it's when your, uh, your belief uh, in Jesus and God, when it becomes a relationship with God and Jesus, that's when it really became real. When you when you recognize it's not just something, uh, you know, that you do, and it's not just you know a, a checklist of do's and don'ts, but when it is uh, someone that you interact with um, on a, on a, on a daily regular basis that you can truly. Uh, when you truly have a relationship and have that sense of love, then you know um, that it's real to you. And then you'll, you will want to do things like read your Bible. You'll want to go to church. You'll want to interact uh, with people of, of similar belief, going, um, you know, going to a group that is now your extended family. Relationship, that's great. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. I appreciate the
1: time. Yeah, appreciate you coming and thank you very much for sharing your story. Take care, brother.
0: Will do. God bless.
1: Relationship. What a great way to end it, friends, because that that is the key. It's not religion, it's relationship. It's not about do's and don'ts. And in Brian's life. He loved the sports, but he just wanted that relationship with God. How can I serve you? What What can I do? I just want to serve you. And God led him around to serve others in this sport that he loves, to help them with injury, to be there for them. And God placed people in his life along the way to continue that relationship. And that's what we want to see for you friends realize that it's relationship and he wants a relationship with you